0: Facing a crisis in your life or business? Take the helm and steer yourself in the right direction. It's time to take charge and make things happen with your host,
1: Lynn McLaughlin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Our guest today, Nidhi Rupa Joshi, Uh, fell very ill in 2020 with COVID in March. And if you recall, well, let's go back to March. We were just starting to have lockdowns in North America in March of 2020. And we really didn't know a lot about the virus back then. But Nidhi is now suffering from COVID long, long long-term COVID, long COVID. We're hearing different terms. We're going to go through that journey with her. But also, what you know, I was so taken aback in having my pre-conference, my conversation with you, Nitty and finding out that you've taken that illness into new possibilities for yourself and open new doors. And we want to hear more about what you're doing today. You're an author, you're a podcast host. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, it's, it's a real honor to be on your show and um, you know, to have an opportunity to talk about COVID, long COVID, and I suppose pivoting our lives around COVID and not letting it be, um, the, I suppose, the anchor that holds us down, but rather using it as a springboard to move forward into other opportunities and
1: avenues. We need to hear that perspective, Needy, because there's, There's so much trauma, right? And you've suffered it as well. People who've lost their loved ones, people who are still suffering from the effects of bereavement and job losses and all of those things. So let's hear your perspective. Take us back to February of 2020.
0: Okay, so February of 2020, we started hearing about this new virus coming through from China. And in terms of my life, um, I was extremely busy in um, a very high-pressured job. But I was also dealing with a number of issues, um, one being uh, bullying, racial bullying, as well as um, another area of heartbreak, deception, um, etc. I mean, both are now in the past and I I tend not to dwell too much in the past because it doesn't serve a purpose for me. But the issues I had been dealing with were, were... quite hard. And when I started getting symptoms, I just put it down to the stress and that my cortisol levels had been so high for so long Mm. that my body was just beginning to say, right, you know what, you need to take a break. Um, And the symptoms I got were very weird. They weren't like the symptoms that were being talked about in the media. So I still had a sense of smell and a sense of taste, except, everything for me tasted like sugar so I could have you know I could be brushing my teeth and it felt like I was brushing my teeth with sugar. I could be drinking a cup of tea um, and without sugar in it and it just tasted excessively sweet. Uh, the other side of it is I had like the most horrific migraine type headache on the right hand side and the pain actually went down my throat and it felt like i had shards of glass in my throat so none of the symptoms were you know were were what we were being told covid was being presented with
1: right because they were telling us we would lose our sense of smell and taste Yes, and they also- As one example, yeah.
0: (laughs) Of course it is. You're losing your sense of taste. Um, They also said that, you know, you'd have a really terrible cough. Now, I didn't. I just had a very painful throat. And for me, I just thought, okay, well, maybe I'm just coming down with a bad cold. I didn't think anything of it. However, there was talk about the country going into the lockdown and imposed lockdown whilst they worked through this virus and what it was. So I then decided- to pack a bag and head up um, north to my family home. Um, So we, my parents, my family live in the middle of England. So we live in a place called the Midlands. um, And it's a city called Leicester, which became famous a few years ago when Leicester City won the football, I don't know, they they won a a whole number of championships and (laughs) went from being this um, place that nobody had heard of to being... But famous everywhere I think you guys call football soccer don't you
1: yes we do yes we do yeah. but we still very much enjoy it so
0: <laughs> of course of course and you know and and so yeah so I'm you know I went back up to my family home and in a way I'm really glad I did because I, I without COVID I wasn't looking forward to lockdown you know in a flat on my own um, or apartment as you guys say and um, you know if I'd known I'd had COVID then that would have made it worse. So being back with my family, even though I was stuck in my room four walls, and I was going stir crazy. I just knew that I, I felt I had that sense of comfort because my mom and dad were there, my older sister was there, my nephew was there. So I knew somebody would be there. And this is gonna sound extremely dramatic, but I just, you know, I, I just pictured myself being here. if I If I died, who would find me? They may not find me for months and months and months, which I know that sounds really morbid, but I, I think these are sort of like weird thoughts that go through your head when you're dealing with something like this.
1: Yeah, and you have to look at possibilities and as morbid or dramatic as you say it might sound, it's, it was a reality for you to have to think that way. So very wise decision in retrospect, I will say.
0: I <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got to Leicester and just as I got to Leicester within a day, I was very, very ill to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't sit up. I just didn't want to eat. I just wanted to sleep. Um, and, and then there was one night where I, well, uh, quite a few days, so by day four or five, that's when my breathing issues started. And I was finding it very, very difficult to breathe, to just, just breathe normally, to catch a breath. And I was gasping a lot. Um, and I remember sort of like one, you know, a couple of nights in a row, my sister kept waking me up on the hour, every hour, just to check that I was still alive. And it it's sounds so comical because rather than her coming into my room, she sort of like, pushed my door open because she knows I'm a really light sleeper so the slightest bit of noise or or lights that is not the normal for me when I'm sleeping wakes me up immediately so she would like come in open the door really loudly and as soon as I'd like turn out turn around and say what oh you're alive then she shut the door (laughs) walk away or if I didn't turn over because by about the 10th you know, sort of, I don't know, eighth or tenth time, I was like, "I'm not going to turn over." So she got a stick to poke me oh <laughs> to my break gosh. me up. <laughs> You know, and it and God it is really, it, oh, it absolutely bless. And it sounds so comical now, but you know, I mean, I'm just truly blessed to have a sister, a big sister that cares enough to do that.
1: I'm sure it was very frightening, very, very I, frightening for everyone, your whole family, and yourself, yeah. of course. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm quite pragmatic about it. I I really do believe that when it's your time, it's your time. And that's not disrespectful to anybody who has lost a loved one, because just losing a loved one is is the most horrific thing for any person to go through. And, you know, I, I wish people didn't have to go through that pain. But I was quite pragmatic about myself. But what worried me was how my parents would cope. Um, Because they're both elderly, my mother has vascular dementia, you know, they they don't, the, to lose a child is bad enough, to lose a child at such an old age is probably, you know, extremely heartbreaking, it is heartbreaking at any age. Um, So uh, there was one point where the breathing was so bad that we had to call the paramedics out to me because I just couldn't breathe, I was literally unable to get a breath. Um, you yeah, know, and, and we're very lucky with the NHS, and I believe with Canada, you've also got a very good healthcare system. In yes, I do.
1: And we'll speak to the US as well. We have CDC, Health Canada, and uh, what you have. Yes, three yeah. three branches, which is which is where we should be seeking our information for sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And so yeah, the NHS,
0: we're very lucky. So, you know, spoke, I was, I was um, diagnosed with COVID by six separate um, medical professionals. So um, two nurses and the rest of them were doctors. And the paramedics came out to me literally within a few minutes of them saying they're selling a paramedic, that they were both out you know went through all the routine checkups breathing etc and then they suggested that i w- you know that i go to hospital and at that point my stubbornness kicked in and i was like i'm not going i'm not going to hospital if it's my time then i want my time to be at home because not so much for me but more that you know i i've got friends who have lost uncles mothers siblings to covid and I think the hardest part for anybody with COVID was not being able to say goodbye to their
1: loved one. Absolutely. Or the loved one having someone there when they're saying goodbye.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've been talking to a lot of doctors about this. Um, and I have a very good friend um, who is a GP, Dr. Hina Trivedi And she took time from her practice to work in the hospital as a frontline COVID ward specialist. And she would make sure that when she knew a patient was dying, she would actually sit with the patient and hold their hand
1: until they passed away. And she's she's not alone. My sister's a nurse practitioner. There's so many, uh, you know, we'd call them heroes. That's an understatement. They're just incredible people for how many, almost two years now, have put their patients in front of their own needs it, i'm just i'm in awe of all of them
0: they are absolutely amazing and i'll get on to what i'm doing at the moment with the nhs because yes. it's my way of giving back to them but they are absolutely amazing and you know we don't give doctors and nurses or any of the healthcare professionals whether they're doctors nurses your care workers your healthcare assistants you know, the, the cleaners, the porters, everybody that is working, you know, within the hospitals or nursing homes, care homes and GP practices. These people are putting themselves at risk every single day. And and I know when people are very scared and they're living in fear, they te- they tend to lash out at innocent bystanders. But one thing we may need to do is maybe take a step back, take a breath and actually understand that these people are putting themselves on the line every single day for me, for you, for all of us. Mm
1: -hmm. Not only themselves, the people that they go back to in their own homes. Yeah. There was a period of time when they weren't going back to their own homes. They were staying in hotels. They were borrowing people's camper trailers. You know For the first while when we didn't know, you know, with the transmission rates or how it was, I mean, back back at the beginning, we didn't even know if it was being transmitted on surfaces. We didn't know now what we know about the airborne piece. Can I, I just want to ask one question, Edie, um, and I should have asked a little bit earlier, but you're in your home. The paramedics are there. You've chosen not to go to the hospital. At this point, were any other members of your family tested for COVID?
0: yes they'd they'd all been tested they'd all been doing um you know sort of like we yeah they'd they'd all been tested not one of them got
1: COVID and then we yeah and we
0: all went and had tests after the sort of like the well it took me about three months to recover and I use that word very lightly but to get to the point where I was beginning to feel human again so that took about three months and yeah but none, none of them None of them. And so this is, this is it. It's like it'd be interesting to see any data or any research they do on which, which people are getting it, the ones that are getting it and surviving it, those who are getting it and unfortunately not surviving it, and those who have been exposed to it but are not
1: yes it will be and some of that information is being gathered and let's 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 join together to caution people to only look at sites where there's peer reviewed validated information and put aside all of the crap and that's a kind word to say that's out there on social media if someone's recommending we won't talk about politicians and how they've muddied the water and all of this but recommending treatments that aren't approved by the nhs or health canada or any of your overseeing bodies you're we're just putting ourselves at risk i do look forward to that research it's going to take um quite some time i think but it will be very telling won't it absolutely
0: and you know i I just think you know, and at the end of the day, it's I, we say each their own, but it is about you know, sort of like just looking out for each other, just having enough compassion for each other. Right. It's not about having our civil liberties taken away from the us, or you know, it's not it's not like the atrocities that are happening at the moment in Afghanistan. I know we said we stay away from politics, but the only thing I will say about that, you know, we're we're living in countries where we've got our our freedom, so why not choose? to wear a mask, do your research into the vaccinations. You know, it's like nobody's saying you have to have a vaccine, but do your research and actually weigh up the pros and cons of having the vaccine, not having the vaccine. And I'm jumping a little bit ahead to what I'm doing now, but I'm, I'm working I'm doing a contract with the NHS at the moment and you know, they have got people within the um, ICU and the intensive care units um, that are now, you know, that now have COVID. And they you know, all the medics I have spoken to over the last month, two months, as I've been doing this work, they've all said that the majority, at least 90 to 95% of the people within the hospital that have been hospitalized with COVID are the non-vaccinated and the younger ones that haven't been able to have the vaccine yet.
1: Yes, and we're starting, they're actually reporting those numbers here. So when they say there are uh, 13 people in the ICU, I believe Mm -hmm. yesterday, uh, 12 out of the 13 were not vaccinated to any degree. They'll also give us numbers about partially vaccinated too. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're so right. It's where schools are about to open and our 12-year-olds in in below are not vaccinated. So I want to go back to what you said, Nidhi, Mm -hmm. about you know, doing your research and making your decision about whether or not you, vac- you vaccinate. But it's not only about us as individuals. This, mm. this is not about my right to cross the street. I mean, it's bigger than that. So I think we also have to take in consideration all of the people around us
0: mm. in our
1: homes, and our workplaces, right? And if we, are, we don't get vaccinated, are we increasing the risk to them as well as our unsel- ourselves? I think that's a question we need to each be asking ourselves based on our own context as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And and I think as we go on, you know, it's, 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 I I guess we, you know, it's, they say there are some people who are going to, who are going to actually understand, do the research. And there are some people who aren't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's all like moving on from there. When I did finally start recovering, and I started, you know, walking, I did find that I, I, I have got long COVID, which means there are some days where I'll be absolutely exhausted, even though I won't have done anything all day, there'll be some times where breathing is still a little bit difficult for me. Um, And I found that my immune system, my ability to heal is really, really poor right now. So. I um, I started going back to the gym. I started re react, ex- not to the gym, sorry. I started exercising again, you know, just to get my strength back. And um, I gave myself a bit of a back injury, which ended up with sciatica. Normally, you know, I have an, a little bit of a back injury. I'll go to my chiropractor or osteopath or acupuncturist or somebody who can help fix it. And, you know, within a few weeks, absolutely fine. No, this has taken about a year me to actually be completely pain free from sciatica I've been um yeah <laughs> unable to walk or stand or do anything for about a year because the sciatica just wouldn't heal due to whatever's happened to my body which doesn't right. allow it to heal as fast as it um it would have done
1: are you are you considered immunocompromised right now um as far as I'm aware no
0: um but I, I don't think I've we've been out. I don't think I've actually um, been out about and about without my mask on for quite some time now. Mm. With the with the contract I'm doing at the moment, I always have my my mask on. So um, I've not been have not been diagnosed as.
1: Um, I mean, I just wondered if it was linked with long long COVID. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, it may be for some people. I think it just depends on if they've got existing comorbidities. Right. Um, but as far as I'm aware, I haven't, I haven't been diagnosed with that. Um, it's just my body's ability is, you know, to heal from muscle, muscle pains or, you know, nerve, nerve pain is, um, yeah, not as good as it used to be.
1: Well, and it's too early to know, is there a light at the end of the tunnel for you? Is this going to end at some, at some point or is this something you're going to be looking at? H- how far into your future? We don't, we don't have answers to those questions yet.
0: No, nobody does. But I mean, the way I look at it is now that Touchwood, I have got my mobility back. It's now a case of taking it step by step, just building up my stamina, building up my physical strength um and build building up my muscle strength again because i've lost a lot of you know i've put on a shed load of weight but lost a lot of muscle mass so now it's a case of just building it up slowly so whereas before i could do a full spin class um you know i'm lucky if if i'm able to not be out of breath by climbing one flight of stairs so it's 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 progress, it's getting there, but we've just, I've just got a new puppy, so as soon as I can start walking him, that will get me out and about.
1: Oh, there's some motivation for you. <laughs> it's a great strategy, actually.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. And and do you know what? Honestly, I think... Um, puppies
1: just make the world a much better place yes and I had you know I, how could I forget the lovingness we just had to say goodbye to ours after 14 years our beautiful Maddie and um, wow. I just focus on the joy that she brought to our family and, and hopefully we gave her over that time so and you're going to have many many years with uh, what did you name your pup Milo Milo, <laughs> Milo. Yes.
0: He's, oh, he's absolutely adorable. He's um, very spoiled, um, very cheeky, very spoilt. He's, he's at that nippy stage where he's sort of like, you know, oh, everybody
1: biting, chewing. Yes, yes. Yeah.
0: Biting, chewing, nips at your ankles and he sees open toes and it's like, I must have those toes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, um, he is a very nice introduction into the world of positivity, which obviously is where you are. And, and, and what you're doing to move through this. I, I wanna jump over now to your, your chat show called The Double 15 Minutes. When did you start that up and uh, what can we expect?
0: Right, so I actually started that during my recovery from COVID um, because I was at that point where I was, I was, I was tired of being tired and I was, I was sick and tired of being sick. And I didn't wanna be miserable anymore because I think you know it's one thing COVID has shown the world is that life is so precious and delicate and it's, it's too short and too long to be miserable. So yeah that, that came about last year. It initially started with um, you know with another friend of mine who's a journalist, a great journalist and we called it a happy half hour. We were just going to talk about things that made people happy, share happy stories um, and then after that she actually was called into a few other projects so we you know we set it up I then changed the name to the double 15 minutes so it was meant to be half hour show it it always went way over because of the guests um and each each you know initially it was a weekly show on every Sunday at 12 and then during um as soon as we hit summer this year, I changed the timing of it and changed it to Mondays at 8 p.m. because Sundays, midday, UK time, people in the summer want to be out and about, especially now that we were out in nice. lockdown. Um, so, yeah, what, what, oh my good, goodness, I mean, the topics I've covered have been really, really vast. So I've covered... Um, you know, sort of like breaking into the music industry. I've had um, a singer-songwriter on, Beautiful Voice. Um, I've had an Italian actress. I've had um, a Canadian politician on as well. Um, Yeah, so um, I've had, oh, blimey, um, I've had financial advisors. I've run topics on domestic abuse, um, male domestic abuse, you know, gender-based violence, human trafficking. I've talked about psychiatry in terms of Alzheimer's and dementia, as well as mental health. Um, you know, female you know, per well, peri post and well, peri post antenatal um depression oh. with um one of the leading a leading gynecologists within um oh. Leicester. I've I've covered COVID with the GP that I spoke to you about. Um Men's mental health, which is a very important topic, because again, we found that men, you know, the the suicide rate of men over women is just, you know, so high. It's not that more men try to commit suicide than women, but it's just that men who do are more successful at committing suicide than women.
1: Oh, Um, I'm very concerned about our teenage suicide rates as well. They're, they're just, it's, it's, it's frightening.
0: Yeah, and, and these are the things, these are the sort of topics that I cover on the double 15 minutes. So we are going to be covering, um, you know, sort of like the younger generation, mental health, and the younger generation, we're talking about, you know, sort of like the impact of social media on everybody's mental health, not just teenagers, even sort of like, you know, women within sort of like, you know, the age group of 35 and above we're being bombarded with all these images of what you must look like and what you should look like and and actually that's not healthy so yeah and then over you know the next few weeks i've had um you know i've had a, a singers i've got a music producer that's worked both um within hollywood and bollywood he had um a few of his tracks you know um, played on the film taken oh crikey wow on the film uh, i'm intrigued
1: i'm intrigued with all of them now you're on youtube how can people find it
0: so i'm um if they um search for the double 15 minutes so they can find me on facebook as the double 15 minutes i'm on instagram as well as youtube okay
1: and, uh, you know, Nidhi, uh, based on your description of what your podcast is all about, I, I, I've interviewed some people. I'll, I'll flip you some names. I think that would be a fantastic guest for you in the future as well. But let's yeah. jump ahead because it's not only your podcast. You also recently published your first volume of a three-volume series of prose, poetry, and musings.
0: I did, yes. Am I allowed to show my book on screen? Can you see that?
1: Yeah, and for our listeners, let's uh, let's make sure we say verbally so people can... <laughs> get the so information yeah
0: it's called fireflies and shooting stars put that in front of me um, <laughs> and it is available on amazon so amazon.com and yeah it's just it's a collection of poems using quotes um as it says from my heart to yours these have been written over the last um oh gosh 10 12 13 years well, well, if you
1: saw the size of your book, I, I thought, wow, my goodness, that's quite a compilation.
0: It's, yeah, it's the, the, the volume one, it, yeah, and then volume two and three will be out um, at some point. So they're ready to go, but we'll, you know, they'll be out at a later date. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, these people these were there, and I think COVID was another opportunity to... Bring something positive through. Um, and, you know, I was talking to uh, Fred, a friend of mine and um, he suggested, well, why don't you put your poetry into a book? And I was like, "But if I did, it literally would be that thick. And he says, well, break it up into volumes. Right. So I started putting it together. I procrastinated on it. I was Oh, do I want to? Shall I? Shall I not? And in the end, I just pushed myself into it and said, right, it's now or never. And, um, yeah, we, it launched, um, back in June of
1: 2021. And, you know, now or never, that's a brilliant way to, to get to, uh, those people out there. You know, I've said it before on my podcast, but they say 80% of us want to write a book, but only 2% of us do. And there's lots of reasons. And you just said it will someone like it. Um, I don't have the time it's sitting on the shelf. It's too complex. How do I do that? Your story needs to be out there, everyone. So you know, Nadia, congratulations, it feels great to be a published author, doesn't it?
0: It does, it does. It, it's, it's just very, it's, um, very weird, though, because I'm, you know, I, I find it's, um, I think for me, I'm one of these that, doing the double 15 minutes and doing this was, um, it really took me out of my comfort zone, because I'm more of a stay in the background person. I I like to push others forward and to watch others thrive and coach and help others, you know, move forward and thrive. And I've just never really done that for myself. So I've really had to push myself out of my comfort zone for this. But yeah, I absolutely love it.
1: Well, congratulations. You're a role model for many, many aspiring authors.
0: (laughs) Well, I hope so. I mean, I just like to say that, you know, all of us have got a book within us and you know, what? Well, I, I think there just too often the literary world it can be a little bit um, exclusive or cliquey. And I don't think it needs to be because you don't need a publisher to tell you that your book, book is good or bad. If you've got something to write, write it, you know, just write it. Get somebody to get, get somebody that you trust to read it make some suggestions and then get it out there because those who need to read your story will read it. It's not about, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to publish my book and wow, I'm going to be a multimillion book selling best-selling author. It's about who, whoever needs to read this book will find it is the way I look at it. And so, yeah, my, my thing to everybody is you've got, you know, we've all got a book in us, put pen to paper and just start writing it.
1: And so just to just to jump in here, my niece and I have just written three books of a, of a five or 10 children's book series. We're quite on a roll right now. There's very unique ways to do things these days. And as an indie author, as an independent published author, you get to make those choices of how and when and what resources you use out there. So...
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the best way to do it. I can't wait to see the, like the series of books that you're doing because, yeah. you know, yeah. outside of this, I've also um, created a couple of journals, um, which, you know, I've created a, a journaling for gratitude, a journaling for manifestation, and then another one that is letters you want to write that, but you're never going to sell, you know, you're never going to send they're all on Amazon. if you sort of like just go onto Amazon and put niddy Rupa joshi you'll see all the books that are there but again, with journaling, people want to journal, but they don't necessarily know how to begin what to you know how do I journal, what do I write, and not everyone feels comfortable doing it so the journaling for gratitude book I created, it just gives people 12 questions to answer throughout the day. So you start off with a few, few bits in the morning and then the rest you do in the evening and just before you go to bed. So you start your day off positively, you end it positively. Um, and yeah, so that, that's, you know, people have, I've had very good feedback on that one as well so well it's,
1: got, it's like giving people a push start right here's something to get you going and then and then hopefully people you know become comfortable with that and create something for themselves that's meaningful to them as well
0: yeah, yeah. and i think that's what's so sort of, you know if i look at it sort of like people like yourself and myself you know we we're using our platforms to help people find that confidence within themselves Actually, to understand that, you know what, you don't, you don't have to be a big name to do something. You don't have to have millions of followers and millions of dollars or pounds behind you. Just do it, do it. it. It is very much a now or never. Because... The way I look at it is, is, do you really want to be sitting in your sitting room, your, your, you know, your garden or wherever at 75 and thinking, I wish I had done X, Y, Z?
1: No, we certainly don't. Which takes me to, I, I don't want to let this, uh, this conversation end with, we got to go back to before you had covid When you were a corporate, you were working in 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 the corporate world in the pharmaceutical industry, and you have now taken the experience that you had with COVID. We'll talk about your podcast. We could talk about the book, but you're now an entrepreneur, and you actually considered your illness to almost be a gift in some ways.
0: It absolutely was. I think there's always two ways of looking at things. There's a woe is me and you know my glass is half empty and you know I've I've got light in my house but only one bulb is working the other one isn't well my way of looking at it is okay one bulb, bulb isn't working but the other one's still giving you light yeah. and your glass empty or full doesn't matter you've got a glass you know and so yeah for me COVID was the springboard to everything it just gave me that Courage, I guess, because I think we we get very comfortable living in the corporate world. You've got a very good pay package. You know, you've got a really good package. You know, you're in a senior position. You're very good at what you do. And it's amazing. It's a great position to be in. But you are a mouse or, you know, you're a mouse or a hamster on that little wheel.
1: Yeah, treadmill. Yeah.
0: treadmill. you round and round and round and round and round what's the point what is the point I know that if you know if things don't work out the way I envisioned them to that's fine I know I can always go back into that industry but I took that chance to become set up a management consultancy business join my sister and um, we both yeah we both work together and we offer the services that we were both doing in the pharmaceutical industry as independent contractors and we're helping smaller companies bring their drugs to market because the bigger companies have got the big budgets and they've got Monopoly. A lot of money. yeah yeah they have and they've got a lot of money to spend on big management consultancy firms who they may put a junior who doesn't have the experience on to do the work or do the analysis, whereas you've got two senior execs doing the work for you and helping you bring bring your product to market. And as, as a result, we've helped launch a number of companies into the UK to set them up, and they are now at a point where actually they're gaining a lot of market share. So it's, it was very much a case of we're not looking for the big we're not looking for the big boys we're looking for the ones that are like us that you know are good at what they do and are not don't want all of the pie but you know what we'll, we'll have a bite of the pie okay.
1: okay nidhi let's talk about the now i mean today in uh, uh, we're we're recording this in september of 2021 what we now know about the symptoms of COVID. So
0: here's one of the things that not a lot of people may be aware of, but hair loss after having COVID is quite a major um, symptom, not, not symptom, but an after effect of COVID. So pre-COVID and even during COVID, I, you know, my hair was very, very full, very thick, very healthy. And then after I started recovering from COVID, I found that my hair literally, and it was only on one side, the right hand side, fell out in handfuls. Um, And I I mean, I I have a wonderful stylist. She's she's. absolutely phenomenal hairstylist Um, and she you know she's been working with me to get my you know to help me get my hair health back but hair loss um, for a lot of women that have had COVID is something that maybe they need to look out for and maybe speak to their hairstylists, um, hairdressers or potentially um, trichologists or dermatologists to see if there are any particular hair oils they could use maybe they could speak to one of their Indian, you know, they could find an Indian Ayurvedic um, doctor who might be able to recommend some Ayurvedic treatments because the one thing that the majority of Indian women, I mean, I won't say all Indian women, but a lot of Indian women have like this luscious, thick mane of hair. It's like, we see Indian women, they're renowned for beautiful eyebrows and their beautiful thick hair. So it's worth speaking to an Indian herbal doctor or Ayurvedic practitioner to see if there are any particular hair oils that they could recommend that women can use whilst they've got COVID because what your hair may not fall out whilst you've got COVID, mm-hmm. but it's actually going to fall out when you're recovering from COVID. And that could be down to a number of things. That could be down to the, you know, I mean, obviously when you're fighting um, a virus, you're you know your antibodies everything is sort of like working at right. full throttle your cortisol levels are also sky high because the stress of having covid the reality that you could die from this also wreaks havoc with your emotional health and that could also be linked to the hair loss
1: you know i i right away i was thinking about after i'm a brain tumor survivor as my listeners know and my hair was starting to grow back on the side of my of my craniotomy and it was about, oh, three months later, it all fell, off, fell out again. And I liken it to the hair follicles at that time. The explanation to me is they weren't getting the nutrients they need during that nine to 10-hour surgery and, and the recovery afterwards. So I'm sure the reasons are different, but in the end, it is about your body's focusing on attacking what it needs to attack to keep you alive.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right? no, absolutely. In
1: simplistic As- form. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Derma rolling. Oh. If you get a derma roller, little needle, they just need to literally be um, half a millimetre or a millimetre, if you can handle it, you know, and just on wet hair, just derma roll, you know, once a week or twice a week, and that will then get the blood coming back into your scalp, which will actually help your hair grow. So the one thing, I mean, I've been tying my hair back for um, quite, quite some time now, A, because it needs to be redone, but B, because I've got new hair growth coming through, which means no matter what what I do to my hair, it sort of like goes all sticky-outy and a bit um, (laughs) scarecrow-y.
1: Well, Nitty, you have taken us through, uh, you know, a a terrible part of your life, which you've now taken to to really something that has opened new paths for you and many people around you, your listeners, your viewers, your participants and your organization. As an entrepreneur, I could go on and on and on. But before we close, I'd like to ask you, What are some guiding words that you would give all of us after the experience that you've had with COVID?
0: Um, I would actually say, have faith. I know that sounds really bizarre to say that because at the moment we're all living under a bit of a dark cloud because there's just so much uncertainty and there's so much division going on. But I think for me, my word here would be, Kindness, be kind, be kind to yourself and be kind to everybody around you. It doesn't matter how people treat you. Maintain your level of decorum by being kind because the way I looked at it was if I was to pass away today, I know that I could pass peacefully because I have not hurt anyone's feelings. My last words to people are always of kindness and compassion. And that would be my takeaway message or my giveaway message to everybody is really operate from your heart and operate from a place of kindness and compassion, because you may not be going through it and you may not fully understand what somebody else is going through, but it's about giving that person enough kindness treat people how you want to be treated i want to be treated kindly and with compassion so that's what i do so yeah my my words for everybody is like kindness and compassion is what really brings you the most peace into your heart
1: thank you for that wherever we go whoever we speak with kindness and compassion It will go All a long way wouldn't it
0: always always it's yeah. I just, it's one of my things is I don't understand when people are not able to be kind or compassionate. I'm talking genuine kindness and compassion, not a kindness because you think you're going to get something back in return. That's transactional, that's business. I'm talking be nice, be nice to people. If you see somebody in the street, you see a, you know a woman in the street and you think she's got beautiful skin. Tell her that you think she's got beautiful skin. If you see, you know, somebody struggling to open a door, open the door for them. It doesn't matter if they don't say thank you. You know, it's, that's, that's on them. But for you, you've actually, you know, you, you, you've done a deed of kindness.
1: And that kindness will come back to you tenfold.
0: In, in so many ways that you don't it's even
1: hard. understand in your heart. And I don't mean, I, when, I, when I say that, I mean in terms of the way you feel as a giving person, as a person who serves other, who isn't self-serving. It does come back to you. It fills your heart. It makes you feel better as a person as well.
0: Well, you, go, you, you can actually, your head hits the pillow and you're out like a light. Like people ask me, how do I sleep? And do you know what? My head hits the pillow and I'm out like a light. You know, it's just, yeah. I sleep very peacefully and soundly because no I don't guilt. carry, yeah, I don't carry grudges in my heart. I, you know, I, I forgive, I forgive people because I don't, I don't see the point of carrying grudges.
1: Nor do I. All right, Nidhi, uh, we've already shared and everyone uh, look at the podcast notes, but we've already shared where we can, where we can watch your podcast show and where yeah. we can find your book. If someone wants to reach out to you with any specific questions, how, how would they do that?
0: So they can reach out to me on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram, Nidhi Rupajoshi. Um, I'm on there as the Double 15 Minutes um, as well as um, Bohemian Buddha. They can reach out to me on um, Facebook via the Double 15 Minutes. um, And yeah, Instagram, Facebook are the two that I'm on um, a lot of the time.
1: We haven't mentioned Bohemian Buddha yet.
0: Oh, that was a name that I was um, writing under um, many years ago. Um, And that has just stuck. Um, I've never, I didn't really pursue anything more with that. But yeah, that was the name I was writing under initially.
1: All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, we always put podcast notes for every episode so you can go back and look at key specific areas if you'd like to go back with it, with something that you're most interested in or click on the resource links and find it, more information about our guests. I want to mention next week's guest, Angie Garten. Angie served in Afghanistan in the military in 2013 and when she returned, She ended up relocating and moving around, having a hard time finding her way. But now she's a menopause coach and she's joining us next Wednesday. Stay healthy and safe, everyone. and We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more from people who are steering in the right direction, go to lynnmclaughlin.com and search the archives of every interview or subscribe
0: to this podcast feed. A new episode is published every Wednesday.